0: Welcome to Money Making conversation. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. It is important to understand that everybody travels a different path to success. That's because your brand is different. The challenges you face in your life will be different. So stop reading other people's success stories and really start writing your own. Now, you can be motivated by their success because their stories can offer direction and also give you an opportunity to see how they were successful at what they did. But it's about what you're trying to do with your life how you plan it out, and what commit commitments that you make to your efforts. That's why I bring guests on my show just like my next guest, who is Tommy Duncan. He started his first health care company at 26 years of age. Then he sold it. Then he started Trusted Health Plan, a Medicaid-managed care company that insured 50,000 people between D.C. and Detroit. Then he sold that in January of 2020 to Blue Cross Blue Shield. A week later, he started JetDoc. JetDoc is a telehealth platform providing immediate virtual urgent care visits, plus access to 85% of the prescriptions at pharmacies across the country for either $20 per visit or $10 per month. Please welcome the money-making conversation he's ever-selling and he's ever-moving, my man, Tommy Duncan. (laughs) Hey, Tommy. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Well, Well, Tommy, first of all... At a young age, let's let's talk about your your college background. Is is, is, is there college in your past history, or are you a guy who just a, has a strong entrepreneurial spirit? No, we know went to FAMU, Tallahassee. Okay, FAMU, HBCU. FAMU. You know, I, I knew that, but I wanted you to have a little bit more energy behind it, man, because you know you say FAMU, oh, you got so the marching band going on. I'll take you all the way. <laughs> okay. Because you kind of got to the most underrated F, uh,
1: HBCU. We right. always get second place to Howard, White right. right. But fam is the truth. Well,
0: you and know, I'll tell I, you something. Uh-huh. You may be a lot of successful
1: attorneys. Right. Doctors that right. went to Howard. Right. And these other HBCUs, which I'm a big supporter of all of them. Right. But when you find entrepreneurs that are successful in business. hmm Fan views where they come from.
0: Well, I can't argue with that. You know, I think that when you look at what has happened this year with the COVID nineteen, somehow people have discovered. I say people, the general market, the general public, the, the 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 donors have found HBCUs. Why do you think it's popped out like this? Why do you think the the recognition for HBCUs being a, a critically acclaimed academic institution for African Americans or people of color?
1: I, you know, I'll be open with you, man. You know, in my travels in business, um, a lot of people go to majority schools and right. they find success. But in my experience, some of the most successful people went to HBCUs. Right. And that's just, I'm talking about those that are high up in corporate America that I come in contact with, or those that are entrepreneurs, they went to an HBCU. Now I talk a lot about FAM because that's where I went, mm-hmm. but whether it be Howard, Morehouse, uh, Hampton. Mm -hmm. I mean, you name them. A lot of successful people come out of HBCUs. And I think a lot of it is because Mm -hmm. I just think there's a a competitiveness amongst our people that in the HBCU environment just creates very successful, driven, gritty entrepreneurs and business people.
0: And I think it also helped when you looked at the fact that uh, Kamala Harris you know, uh, has been vice president elect. Is from HBCU, Howard. I, I come from Houston, Texas, so I'm surrounded by HBCU schools. You know, Prairie View, UNM, Texas Southern, Grambling, Southern. You know, going down the line, Dillard, going down, go up there, Jackson State. There's 12 HBCUs in the state of Alabama, which has the most HBCUs. Then North Carolina, I think, has the second most at 10. But they're, they're based in that southeast part of the country. What what invited you to come to an HBCU? What What attracted you, I should say, to go to an HBCU? So
1: I went to a majority white high school, mm-hmm. and I kept trying to persuade my mother to let me go to the uh, the school in the city, which where all my friends went and my girlfriends. Mm-hmm. But my mother <laughs> won't let me do it. Right. So, fam, you in 1997, which is the year before I graduated high school, mm-hmm. had won the Princeton Review top ten business schools in the country. Wow! And the president at the time was coming to the Midwestern cities, Detroit, Chicago, mm-hmm. and really marketing Fan was as a place for the, for students to go to college. I found out about it, went to visit for homecoming. You know how that goes. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I went for homecoming once and didn't want to go back home. Come on now, and was yeah. it.
0: homecoming. Now, home homecoming in a black school. Is hard yes. coming. Okay, <laughs> come on, man. I took a great <laughs> I took a great bus. <laughs> tell us, tell us about, tell us about uh, FAMU's his. Well, first of all, has always been known for a marching band. has right. always been known for a successful football program. Okay. And now, to my understanding, they're going to the SWAC. They're transferring their football program to the SWAC, which is even more incredible because you got Deion Sanders down there in the SWAC right. with Jackson State. So I look at the SWAC as becoming like a uh, an SEC version of HBC for the HBCU, or a powerhouse where the top athletes are going to come and it's going to put them on the map. So that's why, that's what FAMU is about to get into. But from but the way I hear you talk from jump, Rashawn, it's about the academics it's about that's, right. that's what attracted you too. i went to homecoming but the, but the top business school in 1997 be recognized that is really what really caught your eye caught the eye of your mom
1: that's
0: right it was uh the school of business and industry
1: which has been acclaimed as being one of the best business schools uh in the country agnostic to hbcu or otherwise mm-hmm. dean mobley created the program And it just so happens that the year she retired is the year I graduated, 2003. Right. A lot of successful people came out of that program and still do. It's the School of Business and Industry. The program was so strong that every week we would have a CEO from a Fortune 500 company come and spend a full day with us. Wow. Wow. And I think that experience, and there's this program called professional development, which is all around the soft skills of leadership right. and confidence
2: mm-hmm.
1: and entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. because you can be an entrepreneur in corporate America. Right, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to own your business to be an entrepreneur, but all of those tenets and, and skill sets, we learned through that program. And, and I think more than anything, it gave us confidence to be leaders and to speak our mind and mm-hmm. to uh, and to have confidence in the growing something.
0: Well, you know, Tommy, you said so because I always tell this to people. I always tell this about being entrepreneurs. I said, I said, a 40 hour week job really is the best training to be an entrepreneur, because you can't accomplish the responsibilities of a 40 hour week job, arriving to work on time, meeting your deadlines, being able to be accountable for the responsibilities that are given to you, and also walk working outside of that 40 hour window, then you won't be an entrepreneur. That's basically what you were saying when you said, hey, you could be an entrepreneur working a 40 hour week job, because the same responsibilities mm-hmm. are built there if you want to become an entrepreneur. Am I, Am I defining that correctly? That's exactly right.
1: Exactly right. You know, it's funny. I I started entrepreneurship young. I was actually at fam. I started like a little uh, fried sandwich shop. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And at one point, I was in the uh, in the mall, and I got into the airport. So I Mm -hmm. was 22 years old. I had a little
0: sandwich shop in (laughs) Tallahassee
1: Airport. Right.
0: Um, So that's not easy, by the way, Tommy. That's not easy now. (laughs) No, it's not easy. Mm -hmm. It's not easy at all.
1: But I did that, and if I said this entrepreneurial. Kind of spirit, if you want to call it that, and my parents were entrepreneurs, so I, I had that in my in my blood. Mm-hmm. But one of the best decisions I made is I started another a small healthcare company that I sold, one that you referenced earlier.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Started when I was twenty six, when I was twenty seven. But the company I sold to decided to buy my company for stock options and theirs, and so essentially became a job offer with equity associated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was my training ground. And when I went to work for them, it was a corporate, comp- corporate company, ended mm-hmm. up on the New York Stock Exchange
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, called Creative Health out of Chicago. Mm-hmm. I learned how to operate at the highest level of skill set in corporate America at that moment in time. And it was from that training that I took that to my most latest company that I just sold to Blue Cross Blue Shield on how to operate at the highest level.
0: Right, right.
1: You know, what met, how to be analytical, how to, how to uh, in, the, in the world of big data, how to identify the data metrics that actually move the needle, and then how to create operational rigor around it to make sure we continue to improve our numbers across the board. And so when I sold my last company, Trusted, in our industry, the average Medicaid managed care company did 1% profit margin. Right. I was doing 10% profit margin. <laughs> wow. Wow. Smoking. Right. But I was smoking because of the skills I learned working for corporate America. So, as you talk about the soft skills of showing up at work, you know, coming early, staying late, and all that kind of stuff, critically important. But then learning how to operate at the highest level because when you operate high, you have higher performance and you should have higher profitability. And that's how you create value.
0: And that's really what you're saying right now. You know, interesting thing when I'm talking to you, Tommy, is like, first of all, where did it start because like you say, it's in your DNA because you're both of your parents were entrepreneur but when did it, when did that DNA get into your system? you know what I'm saying when you went, wow I can be I can be a self-made man I can go out there and do what they do is this important because they, they were like mentors to you they were parents but they also were like mentors to you as well, correct Yeah, yeah I think um,
1: I think you aspire to what you're exposed to- mm-hmm. and in my household and my parents' friends there was a lot of entrepreneurship. So I always expected to own my own business. Matter of fact, when I was in, I'm like the average entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. When I was in middle school, I had a psychic hotline in eighth grade. Just <laughs> remember back when, when you would actually have magazines and you would have all the little ads in the back of the magazine. Right, right. So like, remember Cleo you know, right. called me now? Uh-huh. I had one, I was in eighth grade, you know? And so I had that. I went to FAMU, I had an ice cream truck because to my surprise, you go to Florida, and there
0: weren't many ice cream trucks. Right, right. So I had an ice cream truck, and so I thought all kind of things. So hold on, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, Tommy. The ice cream truck, yeah. you know, that's, that's the truck that come in the neighborhood, you know. Yeah. Stops traffic with kids now. Yes. Now, talk about how you, how you, how you came about getting the ice cream truck, and what was the whole concept of making money? Because, like I said, it's all about profit margin with you. Cause I understand. Yes, yes, so, so here's thing. what
1: happened. So I come to Florida, and there aren't many ice, ice cream trucks. Right. Which, when you're from Detroit, and it snows nine months out of the year, right. you can't understand how a place that's always hot doesn't have ice cream trucks. right? So, But I was a freshman in college, and so I converted, I had a, a truck, so I converted it to an ice cream truck, and I would play Masterpiece Ice Cream Man. So a little more hood, <laughs> a little more adult ice cream truck than the average one for kids. Right, right, right. But then I learned you got to have, you know, that hot ice to keep it cold, and right. myself was melting. It's right. become a disaster of a
0: business. Right. <laughs> so, how did we get to healthcare? So, we went from ice cream, to little, yeah. the little 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 sandwich shop in the um, airport, yeah. Tallahassee airport, to healthcare. What shifted yeah. you to that that uh, that uh, that angle of business? Because my parents were in healthcare, and mm-hmm. all those other businesses all failed
1: miserably. Right. Mm-hmm. So. They were disasters, but I grew up in healthcare mm-hmm. and I just had confidence. I don't know. You know, I came home to help. My, so I graduated from family in 2003 right. mm-hmm. with my MBA mm-hmm. and I thought I was going to come home and take my family's business to the next level. Right. And instead I came home and literally everything was on fire. Right. Within a year, everything went to bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the business went out of business. hmm um, the home I grew up in with the foreclosure, mm-hmm. you know, everything was repossessed. It was like a disaster of a, of a story, mm-hmm. um, which I think is hard for most black entrepreneurs and people is we're always starting over. Right. And I think we're starting over because there's a lack of true business guidance and mentorship because even my parents who had a successful business through the 90s lost everything by the early 2000s. And but because I grew up in entrepreneurship, you know, and everything went under, I thought at, I had a confidence. I go start my own company, and right. kind of, you know, rebuild the family uh, business. Right. It didn't go exactly like that, but mm-hmm. it ended up getting there through its own pathway.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, did did your parents participate in uh, in, the, mom, in the restructuring of business really? on the board of your business? How are they how, how are they tied to any of your business dealings today? You know, it's interesting,
1: man. So. My mother and stepfather were together through the '90s, mm-hmm. and uh, he was always an entrepreneur who got my mother an entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. She was a master in public health, so she just wanted to give people access to healthcare, but didn't really have business experience. Right. So that relationship married them two together because he didn't finish high school, you know, or certainly didn't go to college. But he had the entrepreneurial uh, get up and go. My right. mother's um, education and the academic and background, as, as a person, was a mm-hmm. good marriage. Um, but when they, so what happened in 2004, mm-hmm. so the year after I got out of school and everything completely went into the ground, mm-hmm. I was in the kitchen of the house of winter foreclosure and I was hugging my mother and stepfather and I said, I'm going to pull us through this. Mm-hmm. And my stepfather kind of went his own direction. You know, mm-hmm. I think he got real hot in the kitchen. He decided to, uh, to leave, mm-hmm. kind of advocated the throne, if you will. hmm uh, so my mother and I, when I started mine and she helped me out, mm-hmm. and then this business I just sold in D.C., she was around to help me do it. So she's always been my secret
0: weapon. Right, right. You know, it's really because I, we all talk about support because somebody has to support you. and Somebody has to be there because, you know, you can't be the smartest person in the room. We know that. But you also have to have somebody that's smarter than you that you can trust and also I've been there, done that type personality and somebody that, you know, Can you know, I guess you can respond to this, Tommy, because being a leader, the worst part about being a leader, you can't show weakness. And then you have to pick and choose who you show weakness to because show weakness to the to the wrong people. Then they can take it as a sign of failure or a sign of doubt a lack of confidence. So what was that for you as a leader, a guy who's building companies, selling companies in a very uh, white world? Health healthcare is white. Let's be real about it. But it also impacts yeah. the minority community strongly, and we're going to get to Jet Doc in a minute. But talk about that support system of being a leader and being able to, you know, build your brand, but also being able to have a place to relax, to take a break, a deep breath, a place to pause.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I agree with what you're saying. I think uh, when you're on the entrepreneurial side of business, you quickly learn the most important thing you have to do is make payroll. Yes. And so, there's always the pressures of making payroll. They come around, seem like uh, you know, too quickly. But you can never show that you're sweating to make payroll because <laughs> if you lose that confidence in your people, then it's like the Titanic. You know, yeah. you're not going to have folks fully committed because they're be looking for something that's more stable. Yes. But um, that aside, I think you have to fake it till you make it. Yes. You know. I think you just got to keep pushing, keep showing face, keep having that that faith that comes from within to keep going and, and have confidence that you're going to make it no matter what. And just get up every day and go for it. Well, you, you know, see, it's like this, yeah. Listen, man. I'm in a, I'm in my third healthcare company, probably mm-hmm. my tenth business. I, I've had a thousand of them, <laughs> and I've had two successful companies in healthcare. One I created. You know, sold it. The company I sold to went public and made a million three when I was thirty years old. Mm-hmm. Then I started this one from scratch out of nothing, mm-hmm. and I just sold it for nine figures um, six and a half years later. Mm-hmm. And I'm in another company, JetDoc, which is telehealth. So you see a doctor on your cell phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twenty bucks for urgent care business virtually, and um, you know you have access to pharmacies all across the country. Eight five hundred off your medications. Mm-hmm. Every CVS, Walgreens, Walmart, you name it. And I'm struggling right now. Mm-hmm. It's my third one. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was going to be easy. Right. But I'm back at it. Mm-hmm. Back in the mix, sweating every day, questioning why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. I don't have to do it. Right. I got a team depending on me. So, you know, I think I have it in you. And if you really have it in you, then you'll be doing it. If you really don't, then sooner or later you'll give up the sticks.
0: Right. But, you know, the thing about it, when one thinks about telehealth, you know, which is was being able to see talk to a doctor because we didn't think about that prior to COVID nineteen. COVID nineteen mm-hmm. has brought that to a, okay, this is the way to go see your doctor now. I know at the end of the year I had that option. Do you want to talk to your doctor via Zoom? Or do you want to come in? That's I, I wanna come in, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I would not have said that in right. May now. Now, in December, I said I want to come in. I'm a lot more comfortable with the environment of how to take care of yourself, going out in public in this new COVID world that we live in. Now, telehealth is now Jet Doctors Explained to everybody is a telehealth platform providing immediate virtual urgent care visit, plus access to up to 85% of the prescriptions at pharmacies across the country, like you said, Walgreens, CVS, for either $20 per visit or $10 per visit. Now, in the minority community, that 20 and that 10, my man. Is is is, is uh, priceless. Is uh, like they say, you know. How did that come about, and who or in, what celebrities involved, in you know, are you using celebrities or brands to get your product recognition out there? Yeah.
1: So this time last year, I was at the closing stages of selling Trusted
2: to mm-hmm.
1: Blue Cross. And right? about a year before that. I wrote a book on healthcare policy mm-hmm. and three things that can be done to change the trajectory of the cost of healthcare system for this country going forward. Mm-hmm. And I met with the number one regulator for healthcare in this country and shared with him my book and the three policies. And he told me that it would take an act of legislation to implement the most important because it was enacted into the Affordable Care Act. Mm-hmm. So that would be impossible or highly improbable. Mm-hmm. And so, but through the research writing the book and the fact that as a company, we were doing $200 million in revenue. I paid over 1 million claims. Um, that the biggest cause of the rising cost of healthcare and the, the bad statistics, of the quality of healthcare mm-hmm. is because of lack of convenient access to healthcare. Correct. And that's up and down the range of economic situations. So, somebody who's lower income on Medicaid, all the way up to having concierge medicine for commercial insurance,
2: mm-hmm.
1: people wait too late to get diagnosed and to do something about their issue. Because it's inconvenient to go. Right. You go into an emergency room, no one wants to go to an emergency room. You gotta, it, to get a doctor appointment takes two, three weeks. Right. Um, the healthcare system is just a pain in the backside. But through telehealth, creates it a, creates a lot more convenient access point. Mm-hmm. So I decided, okay, I'm going to make it super convenient. Mm-hmm. But then to get people to do it, I have to make it affordable. So I'm going to do it as cheap as possible. hmm so the average telehealth visit now is 80 bucks a visit. Ours is 20 bucks a visit. If you want to do a, a monthly, you can pay 10 bucks a month for your entire family and your household to have access to telehealth. Those are doctor visits 24-7 and the pharmacy benefit is included where you get 85% off the cost of medication. Mm-hmm. That's less than 10, 10 bucks a month. Right. So my vision is make it create immense access because it makes it easier through using your cell phone. You see mm-hmm. a doctor, in one, two minutes. Mm-hmm. And then two, make it super affordable by making it, you know, less than 10 bucks a month or 20 bucks a visit. And when I out to do this, it's pre-COVID. Right. And at that moment in time, the projection was that 2020 would have 800,000 telehealth visits mm-hmm. and less than 4% of people knew what it was. A month later, COVID hit in March, and now it's the highest thing in healthcare technology. And instead of 800,000 telehealth visits in 2020, there have been over 1 billion in 2020. Mm-hmm. So the space has gotten from when I started, it was a white space, meaning no one's doing it. I can kind of just, mm-hmm. you know, paint on the canvas to being super competitive. Mm-hmm. And me having to figure out in this incredibly competitive market now, how do I stand out? How do I get eyeballs and attention to something? And the celebrity um, factor came to play. We launched in Florida and on the celebrity side, particularly from our community, Rick Ross stands out as someone who's from Miami, represents Florida in a major way. So I reached out to his camp. He researched me to figure out who was behind it, Mm -hmm. Um, researched telehealth and decided he actually wanted to be a part of it as a real partner. And mm-hmm. so he and I uh, became partners about six weeks ago, mm-hmm. and he's been a wonderful partner ever since. So Rick Ross is involved. Mm-hmm. We also uh, last week brought aboard Dr. Jackie from Married to Medicine, which is a show on Bravo, yeah, of Black why? Women Physicians, mm-hmm. out of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so she's um, now on the team at JetDoc. And we're just uh, putting together momentum to get the word out.
0: Now, here's the great thing. Now, the doctor visits, are you saying they're $20 and $10, or that's tied to the pharmacist? It's $20 um, per visit, or if you pay 10 bucks a month, they're unlimited. Okay, cool. Now, because I am just, I recently went to Emory, and I have Humana, and my doctor visit was like $40. And, and so I'm just letting everybody know, an example of, uh, and believe me, I don't pay $10 per month for Humana. OK, let's right. go and be real about that. OK. Yeah. And so so and so I'm playing at $40 on top of what I pay Humana. All right. So with the rate that I'm paying, I should be getting it for free. And That's so right. and so, you're saying $10 per month for $20 per visit. That right That's is right. a super different. Right. My, my closing statement to you and Jet Doc and Tommy, how can Rashawn McDonald my platform money making conversation? I have ninety two thousand subscribers to my fan club list. I got all, roughly a million social media followers. You know, how could I? How would you come to me? I'm not trying to be a partner in your brand. I developed this platform to be able to take entrepreneurs like you and make you, you're the stars. And, but also your platform, you say, hey man, can you post this for me? Can you post this for me? Because I want to be an asset to you because that's why I believe that black entrepreneurship is the key to this country going to the next level. And we also need to understand that we have value. And sometimes we are undervalued because they want to show the negative side of being an African-American, male or female. And so that's why Promote HBCUs the way I promote HBCUs. So how can with JetDoc being a strong telehealth? It's a very competitive field. It wasn't competitive. COVID hit. Now everybody wants to use it. So now how do you slice that line? How can money making Conversations help you? Well, what I want to do is uh, we'll offer we'll create a promo code mm-hmm. for money making conversations okay.
1: um, where everyone who puts in your promo code they'll get their first visit for free.
0: Okay. Well, you know I I, I tell you this. Uh, you, we didn't even buy that. I, I would just be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not trying to look for a discount because you're trying to build a brand. I'm saying. No, but, but, no I appreciate that, Rush about. But I'm also
1: saying I want people to try it. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and the thing for me is um, just being open with you. My last exit, mm-hmm. we did well. Yes. And, and so I'm not in a rush to make money. Mm-hmm. I am self financing it, which you know, get uncomfortable at times, but <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. I'm not in a rush. Mm-hmm. What I want to do is get our people into healthcare faster. Right. And the way to do it is make it super convenient and super affordable. So I just want people to try it. And, and I don't care what it costs. You know, mm-hmm. um, I like people to just try it to get used to it because, like my aunt, she passed away last, uh, last year. Mm-hmm. This is a real situation. I may mean, give you a thousand of these, mm-hmm. but this one you'll you know you have empathy for it. So very sophisticated woman, in attorney for forty years, um, uh, you know, ran every day five miles a day. Right. You just catch her running around a Palmer Park in Detroit. Super successful, stylish, fashionista. The best conversations, you know, wine connoisseur, just an amazing woman. And so she felt a pain in her back and she thought it was from running. So she ignored it for a few weeks. Right. Then after a few weeks, she decided maybe she just needed a massage, you know. Mm -hmm. So she got a massage. And then a few weeks later, it still didn't go away. So she finally called her doctor. And then her doctor said, yeah, maybe just take it a rest, don't run or do, you know, all your, your aerobics, mm-hmm. take off a couple of weeks. She did that and the pain was still there. So she finally decided to go to the emergency room and come to find out after imaging was done, she was like at stage four. Wow. And then she died five months later mm-hmm. and, was, and was blessed to live five months. Mm-hmm. So would things have been different, if she had went to the doctor the first time, probably. Mm -hmm. Now, would she have went to the doctor instead of just doing a massage, if she could just do a quick telehealth visit, just to talk to a doctor? Probably. Right. And the doctor may have referred her to go see, go to emergency room Mm -hmm. or go get some imaging done. Mm -hmm. It would have been more convenient to then, you know, you got to go wait two weeks, get in front of a doctor, go in the waiting room, park the car. You know, all the inconveniences of it versus just making it easy. And right. so it literally can save
0: lives. Right. Well, I'm going to tell you this, Tommy. I'm a cancer survivor, thyroid cancer survivor. And I survived it by going to a doctor and uh, and getting a blood test. And so I know what uh, what you're saying is truth, you know. And uh, it was funny because my, my the, the doctor I do my annual visit with, he missed it. And in, in December, my dentist missed it because thyroid's up here. And so, and so, my blood. The person I went to do my blood exam. She said, "Can I just touch around your, your, your throat area?" And she said, "Can I do a biopsy?" And that's how. If I did, if she didn't do that, I would have went another year. And so, no telling what that year. That's what you're saying right there. That year, I might not be on the phone right. I might not be doing this interview right now because cancer would have been ravaging my system for an additional ten months. And I may have, like you said, oh, uh, my neck is sore, maybe from lifting weights or maybe I've just slept with a crook in my neck. That's why it's important to get these uh, these these opportunities. That's why I wanted to get you on the show to talk about Jet Doc. I know that black people have cell phones and black people need to understand the value of the cell phone is not just making phone calls, taking pictures. And Texas, uh-huh. it's right. financial literacy comes out of that phone, and now healthcare can come out of that phone by the form of JetDoc, and we need to understand that. And so, my 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 commitment to you and JetDoc is that I want to help promote it on my social media. I want to feature you on my motivational Mondays, talk about what you're doing as a brand and your commitment to lower healthcare and twenty dollars per visit, ten dollars per month. Do JetDoc. And it's all about you, my man, your HBCU grad. I'm proud to yeah. bring on this show and talk to and uh, your commitment to just changing lives. Like I said, this is self-financially, self-sponsored financially by you. But we're going to turn that around so it can all be good. Entrepreneurship, healthcare industry, Jet Doc. Thank you for coming on the show, Tommy. Thank you, brother. Thanks for having me, and I look forward to being on your show again sometime. Man. Oh, you will. You will. believe me, man. <laughs> one thing about me, man, I, I I wanted to bring on the show. I know it's a family show we putting together, but this is the first of the year. And one time, I know thing about the first of the year, people tend to listen about their health. They tend to listen about their money because they put in those resolutions. So I want to use this as an inspiration to say, "Jet doc, Jed doc is a form of a resolution for your health care." And it's a reasonable form of, of, of resolution for your health care that you should use and sign up for a register. That's my mentality because I'm a marketer. And so no, you're right. So you're 100% as, right. Uh, oh, they listen different in January than they listen in June. OK, I know, you know, what I'm saying you can ask any Lifetime Fitness app right and so so I know that they having you on the show getting this air, and then we're getting together putting some stuff on our, my social media putting some stuff in my newsletter uh having you back on the show a couple of times a year different periods yeah. just to let everybody know the progress of jet Doc let them know it's still out there let's let's build that that, that, that little that little crowd of fear let's start Let's start creating a scene, a jet doc scene for you, man. And let's keep winning, brother. Now I want again, I want to take you. Thank you for I know you're busy. Uh down in Florida, Fort Lauderdale. Uh, thank you for coming on the show and uh finding a place to sit down so we can talk. <laughs> hey, I made it happen. It took me a minute, but that's entrepreneurship. <laughs> I had to stick with it. Thank you. I appreciate you, Tommy. Thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation. Brother. Thank you. If you want to hear more Money Making Conversation interviews, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host.